What do you say when you know it's time for a big change to take place? It's time to talk about it. Welcome to the RK3 Show. I'm Robert Kennedy III, RK3, that's me, and welcome to episode 46 of the podcast. Today, I'm thinking about Boy George. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up in the 80s. Yep, I sure did. And today, I'm thinking about Boy George. They had this song called Karma Chameleon, and I have no idea what it meant, but I just loved how the chorus went. Karma? No, okay. I won't sing it because I don't want to pay any copyright violations, but I'll post a YouTube link in the show notes so you can go check that out. Anywho, you're probably saying, what's with the Boy George stuff, Robert? What are you even talking about? Well, here we go. Boy George was part of this group called Culture Club, and today's show is about culture. Yeah, I I know, that's a stretch. (laughs) Well, culture, yes, that one thing that we all have but nobody notices until it changes. That thing that determines how we do things, when we do them, how quickly we do them, etc., etc., etc. Culture. We're going to talk about that today with our guest. But before we go there, I want to remind you about some of the other great episodes we've had recently. Check out episode 45, Crossover Moments. I've got a few messages about that one. People love that one. Have you ever had those moments in life that make a difference for the rest of your life? Crossover moments. Check out that episode. For other great episodes that talk about leadership, check out episode 42 with Rob Holman, episode 33 with Kirk Nugent, and episode 36 with Jennifer McCullum, CEO of Linkage. Grab those episodes, download them, and then... Please head over head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for that. If you're not sure how to do it, I've created a video about it, and the link is in the show notes. Okay? All right. Let's roll. My guest today is Marissa Levin, and she's a 25-year, whoo, quarter century, 25-year entrepreneur, speaker, and globally recognized growth strategist. Marissa's lifetime legacy mission is to educate equip, and empower 100 million entrepreneurs and leaders with the skill sets and mindsets they need to reach their greatest potential. In 2012, she launched Successful Culture, a leadership consulting organization that helps CEOs master the three most critical aspects of business growth, leadership development, strategy formulation and execution, and organizational culture assessment and improvement. She's also the author of My Company Rocks, Eight Secrets to a Growth-Driven Culture. And she is also a contributing author to You at Work, Unlocking Human Potential in the Workplace. Hey, Marissa's got a story. Let's jump on into the show. Marissa, how on earth are you today? I'm great. It's so glad to be here again and yeah. supporting you and your listeners. I'm so glad that we're able to do this. 
Yeah, well, listen, I want to say thank you, first of all, for those people who may not have been around when we were doing the Leading with Purpose podcast. I happened to be on Twitter a couple of months ago, and Marissa did a reboot, and she just tweeted an episode that we did a couple of years ago. And I said, man, wow, it's been a minute. We've got to reconnect. So it's been, it's been great. What's been happening with you since we last did our episode? So as you mentioned, uh, my company, Successful Culture, we merged with a company called People Tactics. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that, you know, merging and partnerships and how do you find that nirvana between partnerships, which seems to be very elusive for a lot of people. The company that I merged with, People Tactics, the owner of that company is a woman named Jennifer Brown. And Jen and I have known each other for 17 years. Wow. Right. Right. So there's a lot of history. And uh, if you recall, Robert, my first company is a company called Information Experts, which is 26 years old. I grew that to about $15 million before I exited that about eight years ago. Jen was the only person with her company that I trusted for all of our HR, both strategic and tactical. So when Jen and I decided to merge, this was not, you know, a hasty, impetuous decision. We weren't like in the honeymoon stages of dating. We had known each other at that point, 15 years. We had worked together for about 15 years. We knew that we had very similar value systems. We knew that we shared similar passions for creating great places to work. And we knew that our uh, our strengths were very uh, complementary um, and there was a lot of synergy there. So I know we're going to talk about how you find that, you know, that perfect business partner. And I'm really glad to be able to share this experience about what really needs to be looked at. But that's really what we've been up to over the last three years is Jen and I bringing our entities together, figuring out how we do that the best way so that it really benefits our clients and how we create, you know, this, this perfect solution of two interlocking you know, puzzle pieces that come together and fit perfectly. That's really what I've been up to the last two and a half, three years. Wow. That's, that's not as simple as it sounds. I'm pretty sure. So let's jump right into that then. So I, I, a lot of the people that are listeners here are leaders in their organizations, but there are a lot of people that are speakers and have maybe they're contracting in the training world and they're using Mm -hmm. communication as the, the center, the centerpiece of, of their business. Right. So a lot of people in that world are solopreneurs or yep. they are, they've been operating their business in solo mode for a long time. How do you know if and when you need to merge with another business or another partner? How do you know this? So, you know, I think it gets back to what your personal goals are. And look, I already grew a first company, right? I, I, when I launched Information Experts going back 27 years ago, I launched that as a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I wanted to create a consulting business. Um, and I wanted to have an infrastructure and I wanted to have processes and I wanted to be able to take on larger clients. When solopreneurs start, typically they start as kind of like the small fish in a small pond Then they become the big fish in a small pond. Then they become a small fish in a larger pond. And then the big fish in a larger pond. And then they have to decide, do I want to jump to the ocean where the sharks are? And 
in order to go through that whole transition and that metamorphosis, it just requires a complete overhaul of how you position yourself, who you're working with, what your infrastructure is. It's really, you know, very much of going from level to level to level. And we, we as entrepreneurs really need to decide, do I want to build a lifestyle business that uh, is going to afford me a lot of flexibility and will give me a nice salary that, you know, I, I, I can live a good life on. But when I go away, there's no business. Wow. Or do we want to create an organization that can really generate wealth for us and what I call enterprise value something that is scalable, something that extends beyond ourselves. And if that's the case, it really is looking at how can we create a team around us, whether that's a partner, whether or not that there are other people that work for us, how can we build an infrastructure that goes beyond us? And that is really the decision point that people need to commit to. Am I going to create something that is really based around me and my personal brand and my, and my specific skill set, or am I going to grow an infrastructure? That's really the first decision point. So you mentioned that you had 17 years of friendship with your current co-founder before you said, hey, let's pull the plug, right? Let's, let's do this thing together. What are some of the things, or maybe let's not, let's say, let's not say some, let's say one or two. What are the top two things that you should really be looking for as you are considering a, a partner? So first and foremost is alignment of values. Mm-hmm. What do you believe? What do you stand for? How do you conduct yourself? And it's right. not as easy as it may seem to find those people that have a similar alignment of values. Wow. How do you live your life every day, both in business and out of business? The second thing is an alignment of purpose. What is it that you want to accomplish? As I mentioned, Jen and I both share a passion for creating great places to work. When people ask what Successful Culture International does, yes, we have a whole you know, culture development life cycle. It's a five or six phase model that is uh, based on our combined 50 years of experience, our education, you know, everything that we've done in the past. But at the end of the day, when people ask us what we do, I say we help organizations create great places to work. So that is as simple as it gets. You know, that's what we're both driven by. So it's values, it's shared purpose. The other thing is it's, it's alignment and synergy of, um, of strengths. So mm-hmm. she and I, we share the values and we, and we share the shared purpose, but we bring very different strengths. I mean, she is meticulous in execution. I mean, she, she's, she's just, she's phenomenal, you know, and I'm, and I'm much more at the 50,000 foot level. Like I'm a strategist, I'm a visionary. I love being the sales and marketing face of the organization. She will make sure that what we deliver is flawless. She's great in the details. So we have a very good synergy and alignment among our skill sets. So I would say that's really important. Um, and then, you know, the fourth thing is, do we know each other in terms of how we deliver? Because we, we have worked together, you know, I mean, I know how she delivers. I have seen that consistency. She knows how I deliver. And so there's a trust there. There's a very strong underlying foundation of trust. And also communication is really, really important. That's, that's important for any relationship to make sure that there's really strong communication. But I would say the things that are really important are the values, the shared purpose, 
and alignment and synergy of what the skill sets are. Right. So you talked about communication. Can you share with us a couple of tips or things that are really critical to help that communication work? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked that. So remember, we get called into organizations because Mm -hmm. things aren't working well. Companies don't call us to say, hey, everything's great. (laughs) Like that, that rarely happens. Usually we get called because there are a lot of pain points. So leaders call us because they're having, uh, they're having morale issues. They're having attrition issues. Their profits are down. Trust is down. Um, communication has stalled. And a lot of times we go into organizations and these aren't solopreneur companies that we're working with. We're working with teams of leaders that are either partners or managing partners, or there's multiple people in the C-suite. And so we kind of have to go in and we have to untangle some of the mess and some of the uh, trust that has eroded. So we practice what we preach. We try very hard to practice what we preach. We try to, you know, walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And so some of the things that we do to make sure that our communication stays clear is we have very candid conversations about, you know, am I, am I disappointing you? How am I falling short of your expectations? Um, there's, there's actually a chart that we use with our clients that I created that will go into, um, partnership situations. And when I see that there is some discord, you know, or, or um, some tension, I have them do an exercise where they fill out a chart where each person independently has to list what they think their job responsibilities are and what they think the job responsibilities of their partners are. Mm -hmm. And I have each person do that independently. And then I bring them all together And I mediate and facilitate that conversation because they're always on different pages. And so it's just bringing them back into the same place. People don't get out of alignment on on purpose. They don't wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm going to, you know, have some, some, you know, discord or, or miscommunication (laughs) with my partner, right? These are things that naturally erode in during during the day or during the week or during the month, because we're all juggling so many things. And so it's very easy for things in a partnership to fall through the cracks. And the only thing that's going to keep them from falling through the cracks is proactive communication to say, where, where am I falling short? Where am I dropping the ball? How am I disappointing you? And then feeling comfortable enough to be honest about that and being open to that feedback. So that's the type of work that we do in our own partnership and that we try to do with our clients. Communication, motivation, leadership, and more. You're listening to the RK3 Show. Hey there, just a quick reminder, if you haven't registered yet, go register for the web class. Five simple strategies to get paid for public speaking. You won't regret it. If you have a story to tell or expertise to share, then you need to hop on this webinar. Isn't it time you got paid for your pain? (laughs) Check the show notes and sign up today. And now, back to the show. So you just mentioned a critical word, and you've mentioned several times, trust. When Mm -hmm. you go into organizations, you you deal with culture, you deal with the leaders of organizations, Mm -hmm. and trust is almost always at the center of that. And for me, communication is really central to to that trust. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges that you see with leaders in organizations around communication, their willingness, you know, around it? What what are some of the big challenges that you're seeing? 
So communication and trust are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Period. Okay. You cannot have trust without communication. Right. And you cannot have communication without trust. They just are, oh. are two, they are just two sides of the same coin. Good oh. communication is going to drive trust. Poor communication is going to drive mistrust. And we see it all the time. There's no such thing as over-communicating. The, the thing about communication from the leadership is that, look, your employees, they what they see in the organization is very different than what you see. And the only way you're going to understand what they see is to ask them. Right. And employees are not mind readers. And so leaders have an obligation to clearly communicate what is happening, why they're making decisions. Whenever there's any type of change going on in an organization, even if it's small, even if it's here, we're picking a different health plan, right? Or we, um, we, we are dismantling, you know, a business unit, or we're deciding not to work with this client anymore, or we have a new hire coming on. Whatever the change is, the first thing that any employee is going to think is, how does this impact me? So right. the more proactive that a leader can be with their, their communication to automatically circumvent that question the greater the trust is going to be. So this is why proactive communication and also two-way communication. And I mentioned to you before we started, Jen and I had plans in 2020 to write a book on how to create a culture of trust and transparency. And that all goes hand in hand. So for example, you know, when I was running information experts, Rather than having an all-hands meeting, we had a town hall meeting. And the difference is that I would set up an anonymous, like, two- or three-question survey online to get feedback from my employees on what they saw going on in the organization and what they wanted to talk about in the all-hands meeting. And then I would make sure that we would address that because that gives employees a voice. Employees need two things in a company from a communications perspective. They need to be heard, okay? Mm -hmm. They need to be given the opportunity to be heard, and they need to be communicated with. That's it. Like, that's what employees need to feel that they are connected to an organization. They need to feel that they're heard, and they need to feel that they're being communicated with. And both of those things reside with the leader. Wow. Uh, so this is this is amazing stuff. I love the, the direction of this conversation. So one of the things that happens is as companies change in size, as they grow. So we talked about the solopreneurs and we talked about those that are maybe small companies. They've got maybe two or three people on the team. And then mm-hmm. uh, some years later, now you're at 100 mm-hmm. plus people. Mm-hmm. on the team and employees. What are some of the big things that leaders with regard to communication begin to forget or ignore as, as the company grows? What makes it challenging for the communication to continue being effective? That's a great question. So two things uh, happen that we see when companies grow. Um, the, the, the first one is that the leader loses that connection to their employees. Mm-hmm. So it's super important for leaders to be very conscious and thoughtful and mindful of staying connected to their people, whether that is getting back to literally the 
old, timeless way of what they call MBWA, management by walking around. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm going back to the 80s here, right? Yeah. MBWA, management by walking around. As I mentioned earlier, your employees have perspective and knowledge about your company that no consultant anywhere will ever be able to provide you, no matter how much you pay them. The greatest source of knowledge about your company is sitting inside your company. So yeah. what are you doing to make sure you're extracting that valuable nugget, you know, that gold mine of data from your employees? How are you having conversations with them? How are you extracting that information? So that's one thing that I think as companies grow, they lose sight and they lose touch of their employees. The second thing is getting back to what the first thing I mentioned is about the core values. Mm-hmm. Leadership values start with the leadership. They don't only reside with the leadership. You know, living the values in an organization is actually what I call a shared responsibility between the leadership and the employee base. But values always start with the leadership. So it's essential that leaders stay in integrity with their own core value system because how they behave is going to drive how employees behave. So if you as a leader are showing up 10 to 15 minutes late for a meeting or you're in a meeting, if you're in a meeting and you're checking your phone, right, you have no right to expect your employees to do anything differently. Wow. So I'm glad you went there because I want to ask you from a public speaking or presentation Mm -hmm. standpoint, leaders have the role of of generating or engendering trust. They have they have the responsibility to cause people to listen because they have to influence them. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things maybe from a public speaking communication presentation, maybe from a physical standpoint that leaders can be doing to to enhance maybe their credibility and their listenership as, as a leader? I love that question. Um, so it's important, and I've written about this. You know, I write for Inc. Magazine, and I've actually written an article about this, and I'll, I'll send you the link so we can send, share it with your listeners. Yeah, Leaders are always under the microscope. And that's something that they always have to remember. They're always being watched. And there are some cases in which they're being watched even more closely than others. So mm-hmm. when there's a new hire, they're being watched. How is that leader welcoming and embracing that new hire? Mm. When there's a firing or someone leaves, how are they graciously ending that relationship, right? When a company wins a large contract, how, how are they... Um, communicating that to the employees and how are they um, recognizing everybody that contributed to that win, right? If they lose a large contract, because this happens in all businesses, how are they leading the company through the change? Are they assigning blame? Are they um, not taking responsibility for it? Are they showing up from a place of the sky is falling? Like, how are they showing up when there is bad news or something difficult? These are specific times when not only are they really under the microscope, but they are really, really under the microscope. And so that's one thing. The other thing is being vulnerable. For leaders to, to step up and say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm figuring this out. 
I just want you to know I'm reaching out for help to show some vulnerability Mm -hmm. is also really important. And then a third thing is for a leader to say, you know what? I messed up. Wow. Perfect. And I messed up. And those are some things that, you know, leaders can do to make sure that they're showing up in a way that their employees are looking at them and going, you know what? He's human. She's human. I get it. I can trust her with my future because she's being completely authentic with me and um, she's doing the best she can. And that's really all I can ask. One of my most important mentors who has been in my life for over, you know, 10 years now, he once said to me, the greatest leaders subjugate their own agenda for the greater good of the organization. Mm, Wow. Think about the power of that. The greatest leaders subjugate their own agenda for the greater good of the organization. That is so powerful because what employees need to know is that a personal agenda should never drive the decisions of an organization. As soon as that leader is putting his or her, her own personal needs and agenda ahead of the organization, it's time to step aside. Wow. So this is amazing. This is, I love this conversation. We could continue this all day, I know. Right? but I want to give people just enough so that they can find out who you are, where you are and come get okay. in touch with you. So where can they reach you online? Where, where can they get more of Marissa? Um, so LinkedIn, uh, just find me at Marissa Levin. I'm on LinkedIn. Same with Twitter, Marissa Levin. Follow our Successful Culture International Facebook page, as well as our Successful Culture International LinkedIn page. Um, I am on Instagram. I have 25,000 followers. I have no idea who's following me. I don't use Instagram that much, but I'm going to start. Like, I'm like, I will start. Um, but I am on Instagram if you want to find me there. And, uh, but LinkedIn is, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook to follow Successful Culture International and my personal pages is definitely the way to go. And, and I'm on Twitter too. So SuccessfulCulture.com is our, is our website. We've got lots of great content there about how to build great cultures. We've got a, a great white paper download on the six main drivers of, of cultural shifts and cultural changes and how companies can kind of walk through that um but yeah we're you know, i'm kind of all over the place <laughs> you talked to talk to me earlier about a a podcast that you've got yes. coming up tell me a little bit about that yes yeah. yeah. so uh jen and i and through successful culture international we're launching the culture podcast and it will mm-hmm. be the ultimate conversation destination for all things corporate culture so we should be launching it in a few weeks And um, that is the place to come to know how to build great cultures and listen to some of the greatest leaders who have already walked the walk, talked the talk on building great organizations. Change is hard. It just is. We need it, though, in order to grow. But it's tough. And people push back against it because many times it comes with pain or discomfort. But it's a constant. And if we embrace it, then we come to look forward to the cultural shifts, the redirection, and the growth which will definitely occur. Listen, I want to invite you over to Apple Podcasts to leave a ranking, rating, and review for the show. Also, head over to the other major podcast outlets, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, wherever you listen to podcasts. Then, be sure to head over to the show notes to grab the links and resources from this episode. Guess what? 
we are almost at the end of season one. Wow. And I hope you've learned a lot. We've got about four more episodes to go. Let me know your thoughts about this season by hopping over to robertkennedy3.com. That's robertkennedy3.com or just leave me a voicemail at robertkennedy3.com forward slash voicemail. Hey, y'all, don't forget. Everything that happens to you in life is your stuff. Your stuff is your story, and your story deserves a stage. I'm Robert Kennedy III, RK3, and you've been listening to. The-